Have all y'all stand up. We want to say hello to all our campuses, online campus, everybody watching out there. Let's give all the military out there watching a big hand. God bless y'all. God bless y'all. Look at the person next to you, say, I'm ready for God to challenge me. Yes, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your grace in our life. Lord, we need your grace, your undeserved favor every single day. Amen. Amen. I know that we bring a lot of burdens to church, and rightfully so. This is where we need to bring our pain, our fears, our stress, our spiritual battles, our needs to the foot of the cross. And we bring them to you, Lord, because we believe that you are our God. We believe that you are gracious, merciful, powerful. We acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place and all the campuses. We acknowledge that you want to speak to us, challenge us, transform us. So we submit ourselves to you. We lay our needs at your, the foot of the cross. We lay our lives at your feet. We invite you to speak to us, change us, correct us, redirect us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, that was for you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Happy Sunday, happy Sunday, happy Sunday, happy Sunday. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Happy Sunday. Get your Bibles out, get your Bibles out. On the count of three, say word. One, two, three, say word. One more time, church, say word. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 19, the fifth, fifth book of the Bible. Number five, number five. Deuteronomy chapter 19. So good to be in church today. I pray that you have brought your problems. I'm Pastor Miles. Welcome to The Rock. God bless you. We just celebrated our 19th year last week. So we're going, starting our 20th year right now. So we old. We're going out of teenage years. Amen. Deuteronomy 19. I want you to imagine that you are standing in line, getting ready to go to heaven. You've died, you've gone, you've, you've floated up to wherever we're going to be, and there's a long line of people waiting to get in heaven, and people are cheering, partying, lights are booming. It's like a disco club, except 20 times better. And by the way, if you, if you study the Bible, in heaven there's going to be thundering and lightning and, and angels singing. It's going to be loud, and it's going to be smoky and, and praising God 24-7. Can I get Amen. So you're in that line. There's going to be no more tears. God's going to wipe away your tears. No more pain. No more credit card. No more drama. No more illness. It's going to be a good day. And by the way, if you believe in Christ, the day you die is a good day. The day you die is a good day. That's the day you end this life and you go to another life that will never end. But while you're in this line, you look over there and you see another line. And in this line, people are going to hell. You see an orange glow in the sky. People screaming, wrestling, fighting, they're chained up together, getting dragged down into this pit. And it's this glow and, and you see demons just piling on and, and, and people pulling against this line, wailing. And then as you're in this line, you're looking at that line and someone from the line going into hell looks over and sees you, someone that you know. And they yell at you 
and they say you by name, your your miles, but they yell at you. How come you didn't tell me about how to get into that line? I saw you at work. I saw you at the gym. I heard you went to that church. And and I even talked to you about that church. Even though I may have called it a cult, I still talked to you about it. (laughs) So why didn't you tell me? Probably that's not going to happen. Because when you go to heaven and die, it's going to be good. You're not going to have that drama. However, that should bother you that that should, might happen. Today I want to talk about developing and nurturing a burden for lost people. I want you to look in your notes because I want you to think about one person, identify one person that I want you to be praying over during this whole message. As a disciple, we are in pursuit of the heart of the Father. A disciple is a person with a disciplined pursuit of the heart of the Father. And one of the expressions of the heart of the Father is a burden for lost people. There are a lot of people who go to church, they get saved, they think I'm going to heaven, good for me, bad for you. That is not the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father says, now that I saved you, I want you to go save someone else. There was a guy who found this mangy, nasty dog, and he brought this dog into his house. He adopted this dog. The dog couldn't fetch a stick. He threw the stick, and the dog would just look at it. The dog had one glass eye, broke leg, couldn't walk straight, had patches of hair all, uh, all nasty or patches of hair gone on his body. So he gave him Rogaine, grew his hair back, gave him a fake leg, glass eye. <laughs> taught the dog how to get a stick and, and he was all happy eating Alpo every day and, and, and leftovers from turkey dinner. And then one day the dog ran away. He's like, I did everything for that dog and that dog ran away. He couldn't understand why the dog ran away. And then one day he heard at the back door. He opened the door and the dog came back and had another mangy dog with him. Raise your hand if you're that mangy dog. <laughs> Boy, no, no, y'all, ain't getting the, y'all ain't getting the story. I didn't, maybe I didn't explain it. God took your mangy self in, cleaned you up. Can I get an amen? Raise your hand. Amen. Now you got to go out and get another mangy dog. Please don't tell your friends I called them a mangy dog. Would you get the point? So I want you to look in your notes. Look in your notes. There's a, there's a little space that says your name. I want you to write your full name in that first space, and then it says, doesn't it bother you that, and then your friend's name does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Make this personal. Take it personally. Write your name. Mine will say, Miles McPherson, doesn't it bother you that John Doe does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And then the verse right after it says, God did not send his son to condemn the world. So therefore he did not send you to condemn the world. He sent his son to the world that the world through him might be saved. So therefore God wants to give you the ministry of reconciliation. That's our role. I'm going to get saved. God's going to minister to me and clean me up, which, by the way, is a lifelong process. And then I'm going to go out and find somebody else. That's our role. God's going to put his heart in you 
for all those people who don't know him that could end up in the line going to hell so you can tell them the good news over and over and over and over again. Okay, three questions I want you to ask yourself as we think about this. Number one, do you have a burden for their soul? We're going to talk about that. Do you have a burden for their soul? Number two, do you represent access to the gospel for them? Do you represent a way to get the gospel? And number three, do you provide a safe place for them to bring their sin? Can I have confidence that I can talk to you? These are questions you have to ask yourself. Okay, let's do, let's go, let's do a review of the Bible. Everyone say Abraham. Yeah. Say Isaac. Isaac. Say Jacob. Yeah. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to what? Say Israel. Israel. How many sons did he have? Twelve. Twelve sons. The third son's name was Levi. All the descendants of the third son, Levi, were the Levites. Moses was a Levite. Moses delivered the Israelites from Egypt, two million plus During the Exodus, they walked 40 years through the wilderness. And right at the beginning of their 40 years, God set aside the Levites to serve in the ministry, to set up and break down the tabernacle. And and, and a certain family of the Levites, Aaron's sons, Moses' brother, were the priests. So the Levites had the job of setting up, breaking down, carrying the tabernacle, and doing all the sacrifices of the animal and administering the commandments of God. When they were getting get ready to go into the promised land, which we're going to read today, Moses was reminding everybody before he died, here's what y'all need to remember when you go into the promised land, namely obey God. But one of the things he told them is when you go into the promised land, I want you to set up these cities, six cities of refuge. Everyone say cities of refuge. Because here's what's going to happen. If someone accidentally kills someone and the avenger of blood, someone who's mad at the person who accidentally kills someone, this is where we get the term manslayer, he can run to one of these cities of refuge and he can hide in the city of refuge and the Levites were to manage and oversee the city of refuge. And they would, they would um, execute judgment to make sure that the manslayer was safe in the city of refuge because he killed somebody by accident and they would protect the manslayer from the avenger of blood. And there were roads that went to the cities of refuge and the Levites' job was to make sure those roads were clear, that the people could have access to the city of refuge and be safe as they ran from the avenger of blood. Now what does this got to do with you, me and you? One, God set up these cities of refuge because he had a burden for these people to keep them safe. Every single one of us is a sinner. Can I get amen? Matter of fact, if you're, if you're um, a little uh, sketchy on that, if you're a sinner, just raise your hand up real high. Okay, very good. It looks like everybody just put your hand down and maybe a couple people in there sneaking around like this. <laughs> a sinner means that you are not perfect, that you've made a mistake, that you've done something against the perfection of God. So just, just in case, it doesn't mean you're a murderer or a rapist or, or a serial killer, um, but it means that you've offended God, that you are imperfect. So let me say that one more time. If, you, if, you, if you're a sinner, raise your hand and leave your hand up just for a second because I want to do something while your hand's up. Okay, everyone look around the room. Okay, keep your hand up, please. Um, if next time you want to accuse somebody of something, of being a sinner, just remember this. So in other words, before, keep your hand up, please. It's only been 30 seconds. I know. It's, I mean, it's not, but next time you go, yeah, do this. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, put your hand out. Very good, very good. Okay. And, and so, so we're all sinners. So what God said is because I have a burden for all you sinners. Because you can't help it. Because you're not perfect. I'm going to create a city of refuge for you. 
my son Jesus, that if you come running to my son Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me, I, I'm a sinner, God, he will take you in. And he will love you. And he will forgive you no matter what you've done. He will cleanse you. He will encourage you. He will never leave you or forsake you no matter what you've done. And, he, and if you let him, if you stay in the city of refuge, if you stay in the presence of God and you ask him to forgive and you stay in his presence and you depend on him and trust him and submit yourself to him, he will transform your life. You and I also represent that city of refuge. We have to be people who can lead people to the city of refuge, Jesus Christ. We have to be people who give access to people. And so three things I want you to think about. I'm going to go back to my three original questions. If you look in your notes, the first question I ask you is, do you have a burden for their soul? Let me read Deuteronomy chapter 19 real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 1. It says, when the Lord your God has cut off the nations whose land the Lord your God has given you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall separate three cities for yourselves in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you to possess. You shall prepare roads for yourself and divide into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, that any manslayer may flee there. I want, these, I want these cities to be all throughout the land. I want you to make sure the roads are clear. These are all the Levites' responsibility. Verse 4. And in this case of the manslayer who flees there that he may live, whoever kills his neighbor unintentionally, not having hated him in the time past, as when a man goes to the woods in his neighbor to cut timber and his hand swings a stroke with the axe to cut down a tree and the head slips off the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he shall flee to one of those cities and live. Lest the avenger of blood, while his anger is hot, Pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and kill him, though he was not deserving of death, since he had not hated the victim in time past. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall separate three cities for yourself. So basically, if someone's out cutting wood, cutting wood, and the next thing it slips out of his hand, hits a guy in the head, kills him, and he knows his cousin Boudreaux is going to come get him, he's got to be able to run to the city of refuge. Can I get amen? Because he didn't mean it. He was an accident. Verse 8. Now, if the Lord your God enlarges your territory as he swore to your fathers and gives you the land which he promised to give to your fathers, and if you keep all these commandments and do them, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, then you shall add three more cities for yourself beside these, lest innocent blood be shed in the midst of your land, which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance Thus guilt of bloodshed be upon you. Number one, do you have a burden for lost people? In other words, do you care to watch people's lives be destroyed? Uh, when I was about 10, we had 8, 10, we had a pool in our yard. It was an above the ground round pool. Anybody remember the above the ground round pools? Did y'all walk like in a circle and make a whirlpool around? You just walk around and around and around and around and then you just kind of float around in a circle. So my father built a above the ground pool. Uh, we got above the ground pool and, and then he built a deck where you could climb on a deck and jump in the pool. And one day, I was 8, 10, I can't remember, it was a long time ago. My little sister, who was five probably around that, she walked off the deck 
and fell in the water and was going to drown. And I was in the house and I saw her for some reason, saw her, thank God, ran out the house through the glass door, jumped on the lawn chair, bounced off the side of the house, <laughs> onto the fence, ran across the top of the pool, grabbed her onto the deck and saved her life. I'm thinking, did, I, did he really do that? <laughs> well, the truth of the matter is I just ran and jumped in and, and did save her life. That, that is true. I didn't jump off the side of the house like Bruce Lee and nothing like that. But, but I did run out the house. Can you imagine if I would have said, huh, my sister just fell in the pool. And just saw the splashing and watched her drown? Do you care that people in your life are drowning? The only way you really know is by what you do, not by what you feel. In other words, if you tell your wife, I love you, but you don't ever do anything, love does stuff. There are people in your life, how many of you know by, are, by beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's people in your life who don't have Christ in their life. If they die today, they will go to hell. Raise your hand. See, now y'all like... Elbow above ear. <laughs> Raise your hand if, you, if that's true for you. The more we, by the way, the more we participate, the more you learn its, it's, it's effects. So that's, that's why I get you to raise your hand all the time. Um, what are you doing about it? God's heart breaks for them. And you may be thinking, well, I got to get Miles to talk to him. No, no. Matter of fact, I had a guy who was asking me to talk to his friend. It's a true story. Some of the stuff I tell you is not true. This is true. But I'll tell you when it's not true, like bounce off the side of the house. He said, will you share it with my friend? Will you share it with my friend? I said, well, well. I said, why don't you do it? Will you share it with my friend? Why don't you do it? This is literally. And then one day, literally, I was at a hotel. He brought him to me. Literally, he says, hey, here's my friend. And then he stopped talking. I was like, hmm. I said, what's up, man? How you doing? Listen, I got to go. And I left. That's your job. And guess what happened? He took him over, shared the gospel with him, the guy got saved. That's a win for him. What are you doing about it? Number one in your notes, write this down, please. Father, give me a heart that is burned, not okay with those who do not know you. Before you do anything and before you feel the pressure of doing something, Lord, break my heart that will motivate me to do something. Because if you're doing it out of duty, the first obstacle, you're going to run away. You're going to say, I checked the box, I tried. But if you say, Lord, break my heart. And by the way, if you, get, if you ask the Father for his heart, he is going to give you a burden for people you don't even know. You'll be on the plane, in the, on the bus, at work, in the park. Stand in line at Starbucks or at the mall. Fellas, all the fellas who go to the mall, who sit on the bench while your wife shop. Can I get amen? amen. Here, uh, ladies, y'all know about the, bench, the, the, the guy benches? It's really literally labeled on the bottom, the guy's bench. It's for the dudes walking through the mall with the bags like this behind their wife. 
That's where we all sit down while y'all do your thing and just kind of mope, right? But it's in that moment, you may find a brother who is in exactly the right spiritual condition to cry out to God. Because if he's sitting on that bench, he's crying out to God. (laughs) Brother, can I share Jesus with you? This is walking with God, is that he has a burden for everybody, so you have to be on call 24-7. Number two, do you represent access to the gospel for them? In other words, the Levites, their job, they would have to clear the road to the city of refuge. So if something happened to somebody, they could run to the city of refuge without hindrance and make sure they got to a safe place. Do you represent access? Can you tell someone how to get there? One of the burdens or hardships of travel is security. Security. (laughs) Going through TSA. Can I get an amen? You got to take off your shoes. Got to take off your belt. Got to take off your jacket. Got to take stuff out of your pocket. Got to take off your shirt. Got to take the metal plate out of your head. Then you got to go through, and then you got to get back, and get through through again. And, and, and if you go to some airports, um, uh, uh, I believe New York's, uh, one of the New York airports, they have um, trays that come out. In other words, you don't put your tray in, it's on a conveyor belt. And you got to put your tray, and you got to get it when, it, when it's there. Or it just starts out, it goes like Another one, you put your sneakers in, and then you got to put your belt in another one, and you can put your computer in another one, and your stuff is in like five trays. It's like, shoot me, who thought of this? And then they're yelling at you like you're the, the bad guy. Go back and do it again. I told you not to do that. <laughs> so by the time you get through security, you're just hot. Can I get an amen? amen. <sighs> I got to get on a plane tomorrow. <laughs> then I'm looking at these people going through TSA pre-check. I'm trying to profile them. Like, what is it about them? There's all kinds of different people. I'm trying to think. I'm like, how did you, what, what? How, did you like first class? How did you get that? Oh, I just got pre-checked. And, they, and they're like, it's not about it. I got pre-checked. <laughs> and I remember the first time I like tried to walk through pre-check without being pre-checked. You're like, you're like, there's a person that lets you in the line, and then you got to get to the, the actual TSA person that looks at your ID. And I've kind of somehow got past the first person and then got to the guy who looks at your ID, and I'm like, it's me. He said, yeah, but you're not pre-checked. And you got to go all the way back. So I got pre-checked. I met someone who worked at the airport. I said, yo, uh, how do I get pre-checked? I said, oh, all you got to do is go online, fill out a form, it's 85 bucks for five years. I'm like, what? (laughs) I would pay 85 bucks a month for that. (laughs) Now, (laughs) I'm like, bam, (laughs) bam, (laughs) put my stuff in, I don't got to take nothing off, what's up, Pastor Miles, hey, pray for me, pray for me, I'm praying for you, God bless you, God bless you, what's happening, what's happening, I'm happy. Can you imagine if someone said to me, yo, Pastor Mom, how do I get pre-checked? I ain't telling you. <laughs> Better take your belt off. 
Can you imagine someone said to you, hey, um, how do I get saved? And you said, I don't know. I'm trying to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. You go to church, right? Where do you go to church? I go to Rock Church. Oh, don't you hear the same gospel every week? I know you do. Isn't it written in your bulletin? Every week? A, B, C. Look in your bulletin right now. It's there every week. We're not trying to waste ink on you. Every week. And you could also, at the end of your bulletin, it says you could text share to 52525. You could actually text the gospel to somebody's cell phone. 67% of the people who watch that text it is a four-minute gospel presentation. 67%, unless you understand math, let me tell you, it's two out of three people who watch that video get saved. How many of y'all know someone who needs to be saved? Well, how would you like a 67% chance they get saved? You know what you do? Say, hey, I'm going to send you a video. Can you just watch it? It's four minutes. And guess what? If they get saved, whether they get saved or not, you will get a text telling you that they got saved or not. We, we can't, the only thing we can do better is to do it for you, which we're not going to do. So here's my challenge to you. If you have the heart of God and you have a burden for somebody and you want to and you want to have be represent access to the gospel, do this. Practice on them. I'm, I'm serious, dead serious. Go up to them and say, hey, um, listen, I went to church today, I got challenged, I got jammed up on, and I, I need to practice sharing my faith. Would you mind if I practice on you? It's not for real. It's not for real. You don't have to worry about it, you're not gonna be religious and all that. But I just want to practice. <laughs> okay, okay? Everyone say practice. Practice. Say, say practice. And by the way, this is for real. Do this. You should practice. You don't think that I have pra- I'm pra- I've practiced what I'm doing right now. Last night. I practiced what I'm doing right now last night. You practice, practice, practice all your life. And so just say to them, listen, um, uh, I just want to share this with you. So I'm going to ask you some questions and you just answer like it's for real, but it doesn't necessarily have to be for real. Unless you want it to be for real. But I just need to practice. Is that cool? Are you all following what I'm saying? Now they're going to say, oh, you, you just trying to trick me. No, if you, I, I'm not really trying to trick you, but if you want to be tricked, then be tricked. Just act like it's practice and then get saved at the end for real and then you can act like you're tricked. But I'm for real, if you want to be saved, you can. But I need to practice. Say, I need to practice. practice. You do. You do need to practice. So you could start with someone who is saved, that's fine, but eventually go to the person who's not and tell them straight up, I need to practice. And you say, listen, A means admit that you're a sinner. Do Do you admit you're a sinner? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you admit that? And they go, well, yeah. Well, the Bible also says that, that, uh, uh, that you should believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead, that the penalty of sin is death, and that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for you. Do you believe that? Well, yeah or no. And if they say no, say, why not? And if you don't know the answer, you know what you say? Let me go find out. We'll talk again. You're practicing. Have I known the answer every time I've spoken to somebody? Absolutely not. That's why you practice. But if they say, yeah, I do believe he died, because you could always throw Easter on him. You know, on Easter, right? That's when he rose from the dead. You know, Good Friday, that's when he died. 
Oh, yeah, huh? Christmas is when he was born. Huh? Not really, but we celebrate. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that Santa Claus, not as a whole other story. Okay. And then it says, A, admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned. B, believe that Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead. C, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. Do you know that if you ask Christ to forgive you right now, he'll forgive you right now? You mean of everything? Of everything. You mean grace, God's unforgiving, uh, uh, undeserved love right now. That wasn't hard, right? No. Well, how about if I practice leading you in a prayer to get saved right now? But if you really want to do it, we can just do it right now. It's not complicated. And you lead him in a prayer, which is in your bulletin. By a show of hands, I'm challenging you right now. I'm putting you on the spot. Now, this is for real. I'm putting you on the spot. Say, put me on the spot. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to challenge you. How many of y'all will commit right now on all the campuses? How many of you will commit right now? How many of you will commit? right now to practicing on a non-believer this week. Raise your hand. Come on now. Come on now. Raise your hand. Put your hand up really high, really high, really high, really high. Okay, put your hands down. So for all of you who didn't raise your hand, at the very beginning of the sermon, you said you care. No, for real. You said you cared, but not enough to practice. That means you will let them drown. And you're okay with that. Is this supposed to make you feel bad? It should make you feel bad. Because the heart of the Father is to lead them to his salvation, saving grace. And he has trusted you and I with that. Not me. My job is to do it and to empower you to do it. So you should be like, man, how come? Now, you may be scared. The Bible says the just shall walk by faith into situations that are scary. Do I walk into situations that are scary? All the time. And if you feel bad, you say, you know what? I don't want to feel bad. I want to feel good. So I'm going to do it. This I got. I'm going to practice. You can practice on your, in the mirror. Practice with yourself. How many of you will say, I'm going to practice with myself? Raise your hand really high. Come on now, come on now, raise your hand really high. Do you know you're a sinner? You just said it. Yeah, I'm a sinner. You know Jesus died. Yep, he did die. He rose from the dead. Yep. If you want to get saved, yep, say this prayer. Dear Lord, dear Lord, I know you died for my sin. I know you died for my sin. That's practice. <laughs> number three, number three. Do you provide a safe place to, for them to bring their sin? How do you think people will come to the conclusion that you are a safe place they can talk to? Because they don't hear you gossiping about people. They don't hear a critical spirit in you. Think, of, think about it this way. If you're always talking about people's business, they're not going to trust you with their business. If you're always critical of everybody, always finding fault in people, they're not going to trust you with their faults. But if they hear you speaking with grace and patience, speaking life about people, if they notice that you keep secrets, which by the way is all biblical, all those things, they will be more apt to come to you and say, hey, look, can I share something with you? 
Do you represent that? If we have funerals all the time, and I've been to so many funerals, more than I can count, and when we have funerals here, we'll have the family meet in the back. And often they'll park somewhere and they'll come in the lobby and someone has to direct them to the back. And one of the things about funerals is that everybody's overly friendly and compassionate with everybody at the funeral, especially the family of the person who died. And if we were in the lobby and the family came in and, and they said, can you help me get to the back? And I had to ask someone to direct them to the back. I would have no problem trusting someone from my staff or a volunteer for the church to take them to the back. I would think they're going to be very caring and trustworthy to bring that person to the back. Does that make sense to you? When God sends people into your life, he is banking that he can trust you to care for them. And by the way, when you go to a funeral, yes, it's a heavy thing, but it's also a decision you make that I am going to be compassionate today. One one day I was at my my wife and I were having an argument in the house and we were just arguing. And and the doorbell rang, it was little kids, they were little kids were selling cookies. And we were ah, and I was like, hey, little kids. (laughs) How do you do that? You make a decision. I am going to make a decision. Think about this. Lord, I am going to make a decision to be a safe place for people to come. That when they see me at work, when they see me at the mall, when they see me at church, when they see me wherever, that they feel like I can trust him or her with my burden, that they will pray for me, that they will keep my secret secret. They will will encourage me, speak truth in love to me and lead me to the city of refuge, which is the presence of Jesus Christ. Is that you? Because if you think about it, look yourself in the mirror and think, how do people view me? Do they view me as that? They know I go to church, but they hear me cursing like everybody else. They hear me gossiping like everybody else. Guess what? You're a bad witness. Okay, what does that mean? Step back and say, God, I want to be a city of refuge. I want to have a, a burden for lost people, and I want that burden to transform how I love people, how I treat people, how I represent the gospel. Number three in your notes, write down, Holy Spirit, give me a heart to be a city of refuge, a safe place for someone to bring their sin. In a minute, we're going to pray. Most of you all have asked Christ to be your Savior. Here's my challenge to you. Practice this week. Practice giving expression to God's burden for lost people. And may his burden for lost people motivate you to practice over and over and over and over and over again. Where you can recite those ABCs in line at Starbucks before you get your latte and have them Praying to receive Christ before their coffee comes. Bam. But there are some of you that God is speaking to you right now saying, you need to flee to the city of refuge right now. You have access today to ask Christ to be your Savior, to ask him to forgive you of your sin. He loves you dearly. He died for you, rose from the dead. And I want this to be a safe place for you to say, yes, Lord, please forgive me. So all our campuses want to ask everybody, close your eyes and bow your head and just think about your life 
your situation, your relationship with God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all manslayers. There are many sins we don't even know we commit. The penalty is still death. Jesus died as a result. The Bible says that the penalty of that sin is death, eternal separation from God. But that while we were sinners, Jesus died, rose from the dead, and makes a place for us to run to. To be saved from the penalty of our sin. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He will forgive you. So if you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior, in the privacy of your heart, pray this prayer. Pray, dear God, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe the penalty of my sin is death. But I believe that Jesus Christ died for me and rose from the dead. Jesus, please forgive me. Come live in my heart and be my Savior. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, in a minute I'm going to ask you to stand up. And by standing, you are acknowledging that you are fleeing, running to the city of refuge, the arms of Jesus Christ for salvation. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to stand. You can ask the person who came with you to stand if you want them to. One, two. Three, stand to your feet if you prayed that prayer. God bless you. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. God bless you.